Welcome to the Mindful Sobriety Podcast with your hosts, Jane and Amanda. I'm Jane, a licensed psychotherapist and alcohol-free retreat host. And I'm Amanda, alcohol-free lifestyle coach and yoga instructor. We're so glad you're here. Hi. Hey. So today, Amanda, you're going to tell us a little bit about you and your journey living alcohol-free. Yes, I'm excited. Yes, I am too. Well, to start out, maybe just tell us a little bit about you, um, who you are, where you're from, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I grew up in Allen, uh, Allen, Texas. Um, I was raised by my grandma. I am married. I've been married. Actually, yesterday was New Year's Eve, and my husband asked me to marry him on New Year's Eve 13 years ago. So pretty oh cool. Gosh. That's awesome. And we have two boys. Um, one is 17 and one is 12. Um, for work, uh, most of my, all of my adult life, I've worked in the medical field. So I'm a medical assistant by trade. Um, most of those years were spent in family practice. Um, and I am a recovery coach now. So I just actually took a job for a company called Bicycle Health as a recovery coach. So um, that is pretty exciting. Yeah, that's super um, exciting. And you haven't yeah. started. Have you started yet officially? I start in a few weeks on January 22nd. So Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So that is definitely fruit of my or of my sobriety for sure. Yeah. And honestly, like I've always been so passionate about like addiction and like I've been drawn to people that are going through addictions, mm -hmm. but I never felt um, like I could work in that field because I was drinking. And so when I released alcohol from my life um, in October of 2022, I, it was just like, all right, you released the, the one thing that you had to release and now you can live your best life is literally right. how it felt. Well, and I love the way that you frame that as releasing alcohol. Not yeah, for sure. Giving up or quitting or losing. It's something yeah. that you released, you let go of. For sure. Yeah. And I think in the beginning, I, I didn't feel for a few months, it didn't feel like a release. It definitely felt a little bit like a punishment to myself or like maybe not a punishment, but why me? Why can't I drink like other people mm -hmm. is how it felt to me. Like something was wrong with me or I was broken. You were failing at drinking properly. Yeah. And then I just became hyper obsessed with all the podcasts and books and education around uh, science and alcohol and what it actually does to us and just realized that alcohol was doing to me exactly what it was created to do and that there actually wasn't anything wrong with me. Right. Yeah. You put alcohol in any mammal mm -hmm. with enough frequency or in a large enough quantity and they will have very similar outcomes. 
you, right. know, you responded in a very human way to alcohol yeah. consumption. For sure. Yeah. It, it gave me a lot of power when, I guess you could say I took my power back when I started claiming it as releasing this thing from my life. And then also mm -hmm. it just gave me power to start releasing all of the things from my life that were no longer serving me, which was just really a lot of mindsets. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a domino effect. You mm -hmm. release one thing and it creates all this space to keep going. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's, well, it's like a, it's kind of like getting a blank canvas when you quit drinking because you just, it really does open up this world of creativity that was not there before. And maybe it was there. I remember having ideas and dreams when I was drinking, but they never came into fruition because I think because of the alcohol, it was like a, it, a literal block from me and all of the, the wonderful things that were supposed to be my life. Yeah, that's really fascinating. So kind of like a barrier to this creative energy or this drive to create actually coming into fruition. Yeah. And and I also feel was like... Was that about... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Um, I was just going to say, I, I, it was for me a block between me and God as well. Like I, I always wanted to hear from God. and. I, I truly believe that allowing myself to drink wine regularly was stopping me from this connection with God that I was seeking. And then whenever I released it and I didn't have the shame and the guilt that comes with drinking, it, I felt totally connected to God again. Yeah. Yeah. So the drinking led to feelings of guilt and shame, and the guilt and shame kind of led to this maybe this sense of unworthiness or this wanting to hide or not fully open yourself up to, to something greater than yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely remember, I think really this was uh, something I experienced most of my life was just feeling less than or different than other people. And especially, I especially rem remember feeling that way as a kid. And then I also especially remember feeling that as a mom and like the, the thief of comparison and yes. just like all of these moms are doing this or like just I was constantly comparing myself and allowing myself to feel shame and guilt just because I was different than other moms or, you know, we're all different, really. Yeah, there were probably certain factors about you that were different but you are probably also very similar in a lot of ways. And oh, for sure, you know, we tend to compare ourselves to what we can see externally from other people, but, but those are just narratives that we're creating. Like we really don't truly know what's going on within the individuals that, that we compare ourselves with. For sure. Yeah. And I don't, now that I've quit drinking, I don't feel those things anymore. Like I don't feel less than at all. And one of the contributions to me feeling less than was, especially as my oldest son has gotten older, he didn't really like, he did not like for me to drink. And mm -hmm. he said, like, whenever 
he's 17 years old. So whenever he would get home at the end of the night from hanging out with his friends, he was like, I always knew when you had been drinking and he didn't like it. And so he told you that later, but did you know, did you know at the time that he could tell? Uh, I didn't know how severe it was for sure. I didn't know how much he didn't like it, but I did. I did know that he was not having us for the last couple of years of my drinking. He was not having friends over to the house and I knew that he was embarrassed of me and I, I never put my finger on it, that it was the alcohol. It was so personal to me. It was like, there's something wrong with me and therefore he doesn't, he's embarrassed of me. And as soon as I released alcohol from my life, like he started having friends over frequently, like all of that embarrassment was completely lifted. And luckily I only, I didn't drink a lot for a long time um, because that could, you know, it could have been really hard on a relationship. But as soon as I did release alcohol, like it was like, we were just super close again. He trusted me. He was proud of me. Um, I, I never have to question that relationship or fear that he's embarrassed of me anymore, which is maybe the number one gift in my sobriety. I mean, that's just priceless. Like there's no comparison that, mm-hmm. you know, th- any benefit that comes from drinking doesn't even compare to that just the joy and the peace that comes with that. Yeah. I think about this sometimes like with the drinking because it's so prevalent and like all these people do it. And when I, when I did drink, I thought I was cool. I thought I was the cool mom. And what this idea that keeps coming into my mind of like envisioning my kids, especially my oldest son is him not saying this, but thinking like, this was not the deal, mom. (laughs) Like you were supposed to be responsible and, you know, just do mom things. Yeah. Consistent, reliable. Yes. When I was drinking, I, I, I showed up for all the things and I, I did all the normal mom things. But if, if he had called me at 11 or 12 o'clock at night and needed a ride, I would have to get my husband to go get him because I would have had wine that night and I couldn't drink and drive. Right. And I think our kids, like they don't necessarily want us to be cool. And even if we are cool, they, they have a different definition of what that is. So (laughs) I think they just want us to be there and be consistent and be present and be engaged in their lives. For sure. Yeah. I feel like during the time that I was drinking, I was trying really hard to to just be something. And in the time that I've released alcohol and I don't have that in my life anymore, I really just don't try so hard. And I, and you're absolutely right. Our kids don't want us to be cool. That's not the goal. You know, that is not what they need or want. Yeah. They want to feel safe. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about what your journey with drinking has been like, because you weren't drinking 
you know, all those years of early motherhood, right? It started kind of later. Right. So I would say all of my 20s, I, we would only drink when we would go out and hang out with friends, which was not super often because the kids were little, but I don't want to say we, I'm just going to estimate maybe once a month. Mm-hmm. At that point, so it wasn't like part of your regular everyday life. You weren't pouring a glass right. of wine while you made dinner. Or... Right. And, and at that point, honestly, I don't even think it was wine. I think it was cranberry vodka. I think when I switched to wine, that's when it became problematic. And I'm not okay. sure what the link is there, but um, I didn't used to order wine in my 20s. I would have like a margarita or a cranberry vodka. Okay. So you'd have like a, a mixed drink. Mm-hmm. That would be really um, interesting to explore and just kind of figure out, like, what was it about wine? Was it something about the culture with wine? Um, was it something about the wine itself or, like, yeah. the the sophisticated kind of reputation that it has that's socially acceptable for moms? I don't know. I'd be curious about that. Yeah. Oh, I think it absolutely has, has a lot to do with the culture because it – with – me being someone that was was trying so hard for a really long time, it felt like the thing that I was that you do at the end of the day as a mom to to relax yeah. and de stress or whatever. Um, but so in my twenties, I I didn't really drink that much. Um, I do remember there were some times when we would drink that I would get really drunk, but it just wasn't. And I remember when I those times when I would get really drunk in my twenties, like I wouldn't want to drink again for a long time, you know? Yeah. I didn't, You'd be like, Oh, I didn't enjoy I feel that. horrible and never drinking again. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and we also had babysitters a lot when I was in my twenties. Like my in-laws were literally lived on the same street as us. My mom, who's my, also my grandma that raised me, but I call her mom. Um, mm-hmm. she was, not sick at that point. So she was healthy. And so she was a very active part of our lives. That's so nice. Yeah. So we just had a lot of family that watched the kids and loved having the kids over. And so I think that was another, when we moved to Granbury, I was around 30 and we, the care, the extra care we had for our kids was I'm not going to say completely gone because they were only two hours away, but it wasn't a convenient way or a convenient place for us to get a babysitter, basically. Well, in two hours, it's not like they can pop over on a weeknight. That's like, that's a weekend or a day trip kind of thing. Whereas before, if you'd had regular help almost, you know, on a regular basis from family, that would be a massive change, like a big adjustment to make as parents. For sure. Yeah. So I think at that point we had had a lot of, I don't know if you would call it codependency, but we had had a lot of help with the kids up to that point. Um, Whenever we wanted to go to the grocery store, even we would, we could drop the kids off at my in-laws and go to the grocery store and have some downtime together. Mm -hmm. And then moving to grant, like, it was all on us and and it as it should be it was just new and i think it was, it was just a, a big extra change. stress yeah it was mm-hmm. a big change so how um, old were the boys at that time 
Uh, Logan was going to be starting kindergarten. And so he was four-ish. And okay. Miles was in fifth grade. Okay. So they were pretty, so with they the, were little. Yeah. Especially with a, like a pre-K four mm-hmm. age. That's very hands-on. Yeah, for sure. And I so love that was ages. kind of a turning point. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just thinking about that, their ages at that point and just how sweet and little they were at that point. Yes. Um, but yeah, so we moved to Granbury. Um, the kids were fairly little and they started playing uh, a lot of different sports and pretty quick two years, they were, they were both playing select baseball. Okay. Miles and Logan. Wow. So, That's a lot. Mm-hmm. It was a lot. So every weekend we were at a select baseball tournament and a lot of those tournaments, like the parents, you know, they, we either drink, we drank between games and then, you know, any get togethers, parties, birthday parties, whatever kind of party, there was always alcohol there and I would always drink it. So it's kind of like a little, like a little culture mm-hmm. of this kind of select baseball families Mm -hmm, for sure so it kind of got to a point where you know if say you and I would have five years ago met for lunch like it would have I would have definitely felt like I needed to order a drink and so it was just everywhere that I went alcohol was usually there it was like just, just this unspoken expectation that we're probably going to have a drink when we socialize. Yeah. And being where I'm at now, that that makes me really sad, you know, that we, that for a time I felt like, or not just me, but a lot of people feel like there has to be alcohol to socialize and mm-hmm. enjoy each other's company. Yes. I think people worry that they will be boring or the event will be boring or they won't be able to connect or have anything to talk about. And so they use alcohol to kind of alleviate some of that distress. Yeah, for sure. I also remember feeling. Yeah, I mean, I definitely did the same thing. And now looking back on it, I can see like, oh, like you and I have never had a drink together, but yeah we got to know each other and we connected so easily and so quickly. Yeah. You know, we didn't even need that. Yeah. And I think it's okay to, for people to express this fear of what if, what if it is awkward or what if I'm not fun or what if the, the fear, I guess, is things that things will be different if you don't drink when you go out with people. And the truth is Mm -hmm. that it will be different. You know, right. it and just, you will feel awkward at times and not have yeah. fun and <laughs> struggle yeah. to connect with people. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's totally different. It's but it's so journey. much easier if you're doing it with someone else that is on the same journey as you, for sure. Absolutely. And you kind of figure out what you really enjoy doing. You know, mm-hmm. if something was never fun without alcohol, it maybe it's just something you don't really want to do much of anymore because it's not that fun. And so for me, a lot of this journey has been about picking and choosing how I want to spend my time and giving myself permission to not go, to opt out if I don't want to go. Oh, for sure. And kind of releasing the FOMO, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like I was supposed to go 
to this party last night and the party was going to be great. Like, and the person that was having the party is actually also sober. And so like, I was so excited to go to this party, but then I was just like, I'm really tired and I don't feel like socializing right now. And I've been going all day and I just want to stay home. And I kind of try to talk myself out of it, like, and just go to the party. But in the end, I was like, I'm, I'm just not going to go because at this point I would be going out of fear that I might not get invited to go again. And that's not a good reason to go. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you needed to listen to your body. Maybe your body did need some rest. Mm -hmm. You know, the holidays are intense and (laughs) long and our bodies are recovering. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I I think I did need just the downtime. So and I also yesterday came to the realization about myself that I would rather socialize in the morning, you know, (laughs) like I, I just feel more energized and, um, more open to anything. To connecting. Yeah. To connecting. Whereas I'm the same way. Yeah. It's like after 5 PM, I just want to kind of go into a rest and digest state and just be and with no expectations. So, yeah. And those are the type of major things that have changed about me is I was constant, you know, just in a state of trying so hard to do all the things that moms are supposed to do and never, ever, ever even considering to ask myself, like, what do I need? Yeah. Or what do I truly feel like doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, rather than what should I be doing or what am I expected to be doing? Or if I don't do this thing, then I won't be accepted or invited again or. Yeah. So during those yeah. couple of years, I was working a lot. And I, at that point, I was still working in an office. So I was working full time, had little kids. We were a couple hours away from our hometown um, in a new city and started. I was drinking on the weekends. And then a couple of years after that, I would I remember I started to bring wine into the house like I would buy a bottle of wine and have that. And then if I had a stressful day, my go-to would be to go get a bottle of wine. And so it just became more regular. Just kind of a regular part of your life or not a habit, but kind of just like one of those things that you do automatically without really giving it a lot of thought. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it was becoming a habit at that point. Okay. Um, I got really into yoga also, luckily when we moved to Granbury. I had done yoga before moving here, but uh, because I think because I didn't know a lot of people in this town, like yoga was my go-to. And mm-hmm. so I really fell in love with yoga and it was like a lifeline for me. Okay. And in the beginning, it was, I just did it for, it was because it was a really great workout. Hot yoga was fantastic for a workout, but it just became so much more. And I ended up doing a yoga teacher training at which point I was not sober yet, but the gal that ran the yoga teacher training, her name is Jill and Uh she does not drink. She's not sober in the sense that I'm sober, but she just doesn't drink kind of like people are vegetarian have interest in it 
Yeah. Okay. Because it's not part of a her healthy lifestyle. Yeah. So did you find a studio in Granbury where you practiced? And is that where you did your training as well? Uh, the I did find a studio in Granbury. And then Jill, who led my teacher training, she works at that studio, but she has her own business called Yogi Institute. And so I did my training okay. with her. And I do believe okay. everything on this earth, nothing happens by mistake for sure. And it just so happened, and this was not normal for her yoga teacher trainings, but this one in particular, I was the only student signed up. So it's very unusual to have a one-on-one -on -one yoga teacher training, but that's what I got. Well, and, and I'm glad so, she didn't just decide to postpone it or, yeah, you know. Absolutely. And so I just, that gave me a whole new perspective on life. And I just learned that there's a, a different way of being that I had never experienced before. And I just kind of became obsessed with all things yoga and meditation and breath work. And yeah. I would say that my mindfulness journey really started right then for sure. And so while you were still drinking, you were simultaneously kind of gaining all these new tools mm -hmm. to help you feel connected yeah. to God and to feel centered and balanced and present. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. was there a turning point? Was there a point at which you decided, okay, I'm, I'm really liking the benefits of this yoga lifestyle, but I'm noticing some things about drinking that get in the way? Yeah, for sure. So knowing that my friend Jill that led the my yoga teacher training didn't drink helped me because all of my other friends did drink. Um, I would say, I guess we could call it, call it wine culture, drinking culture, but mostly all mm -hmm. of my other friends, all of my other friends did drink. And so knowing her and that she didn't drink opened my mind to the idea that maybe I could embrace a life without alcohol. Yeah. And and so I became sober curious at that point. Okay. Did you know that term? Because I didn't no. know this term. Okay. No, I didn't know the term, but that, that is what I became for sure. Yeah. And so I started going like increments of time, like without drinking, never like a goal to permanently quit, but just like, I'm not going to drink for 30 days or things like that. Yeah. And so that went on for a while. Um, that also is where my journaling practice started because part of my yoga teacher training, there was a journaling was a requirement. And so I was able to start getting my feelings out and like even acknowledging my feelings Yeah, and, and then also just learning that it's okay to sit with our feelings and emotions. And like, this is a real thing. And just honor yourself and um, allow yourself to sit with all the hard stuff. Yeah, and just so, journaling, it sounds like, was a space. You just, it was a way for you to create space for all these emotions mm -hmm. to come out and for you to look at them and sort through them and begin healing. Yeah. Yep. And so, September of 2022. 
Miles had a, my oldest son had a homecoming at school or with, for, at, with his school. He had a okay. date, like it was a big thing. I was so excited. I think I was more excited than he was. Um, so I had driven to Fort Worth to pick up his suit um, and right across from the men's warehouse where I got a suit was a liquor store. And so I went by that liquor store and I bought a bottle of wine. And for some reason, I also bought a bottle of vodka. And I did not usually drink vodka. And so maybe this was like the beginning of the end, you know, like Mm -hmm. something bad has to happen sometimes in order for you to realize like this has got to go. And and for me, something bad did have to happen. Nothing terrible. Kind of get your attention or Mm -hmm. get you to kind of snap out of autopilot. Yeah. So I bought the, bought the wine, bought the vodka, went home. Um, maybe that was the day before homecoming. And then on actual homecoming was getting miles ready, was picking up some flowers for his day. And then, and I had uh, like a cranberry vodka probably early in the day, like 11 or so, which is not normal for me either yeah. to drink during the day. And then I went to the grocery store, did a couple things, then went and took pictures of the kids. And I should say that when it came to drinking, I was a little bit of a lightweight and it did not take very much for me to get buzzed, especially or drunk. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, you're a pretty small person too. Yeah. So I went to, um, take pictures of all the kids all dressed up for homecoming. And so I was buzzed at that point. Um, and then they left for homecoming and I went to my friend's house where we were supposed to have a after homecoming party, like a safe place for the kids to go where there was no drugs or alcohol. And I was safely hang out. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I was, so you were drunk by the time you got there, by the time I got there, the kids were still at homecoming, thank God. And it was just set up. Like me and my friend were setting up and she said to me, and I, I think if anybody else had said it, if the wrong person had said it, it had to be her that said this. But mm-hmm. she said, you're visibly drunk. You need to go home. Like her exact <sighs> words. And I don't know why I remember those words so well, but so well. I do. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, was she drinking or maybe no. just... Okay. So she wasn't Mm -hmm. drinking at all. And she said, you're visibly drunk. Yeah. And she's not against alcohol, but she just, she wasn't a problem drinker for sure. I'll say that. Yeah. And And she probably knew you well enough to know that you didn't want to be intoxicated in front of your son and his friends. Yeah. She, she cares enough to tell me the truth. And she also loves, loves my son. And like, they're in a group of five to seven boys that just are really close and all the parents love all of them. And so thankfully she did say that and I left and we live in the same neighborhood. So I like, I didn't have to drive or anything and I got home and I was so depressed and experiencing a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I what just did you feel to... when she first said that to you? It sounds like it made an impression because you remember the exact words. Yeah, what, I, I what, was emotional. What came up? Like yeah, sadness I think I or anger? Or... Okay. 
I think I, maybe there was some anger in there, but it definitely manifested an emotion in sadness. Sadness and probably disappointment in yourself and the situation. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it wasn't how you had planned the evening to go. No, definitely not. Definitely not. (laughs) Um, But it was kind of like the jig is up, Amanda, you know? Like we're at a road right here. Everybody knows at this point that you drank today during the day. And, you know, there's been lots of times that you've drank too much over the past couple of years. And so we're kind of at a crossroad where you can keep doing what you're doing or you can change. Yeah. And so I didn't know what that was going to look like. But I went home that night and I kept drinking and woke up the next morning on my yoga mat. And like, I can, I was not suicidal or by any means, but I can understand why people, how people get into a really bad mindset when they're drinking and Mm -hmm. want to hurt themselves or think that the world would be better off without them. Because I, I felt that morning, like my family would a hundred percent be better off without me. And like, I knew it, you couldn't talk me out of believing it. And so just the guilt and the shame and the probably also the fact that you're hungover and it's hard to, it's hard to think in a clear, positive way, you know, when our body's withdrawing from alcohol. Yeah. When our bodies are withdrawing from alcohol, nothing is rational. Mm -hmm. Everything is escalated to the hundredth percent. And so. Where this might not seem like worst case scenario for a lot of people, like me feeling like I had hurt my son by not showing up the way I was supposed to for this party, like destroyed me. Yeah. And I, I was like looking at rehabs and, and I, and then, but at the same time, I was like, I can't go to rehab because I can't be away from my kids. I was terrified to be away from my kids. And so. What was that about, do you think? Is that just like a, like, has that been a source of anxiety for you before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Big time. Yeah. Miles, my grandma helped me out with Miles a lot when he was little. And so, because I was young and I was just, I was not ready to be a mom the first three years of his life. And so okay. I was, I was around, but I wasn't the mom that I should have been. And and so I feel like I miss that. I miss so much. And I think the thought of missing anything else was just too much for me because mm-hmm. I, lo- I just, you know, you just love your kids so much. I love my kids so much. And yes, I just, I didn't want to miss anything else. Yeah. And, and I wonder so- if like part of how you coped with that grief of missing some of those first few years was to be like, okay, well, I'm going to make damn sure I don't miss another minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So at that point I logged on to, um, well, let me back up just a tiny bit. Some friends from okay. our church came over that morning. I had texted them. It was a Sunday morning. I had texted them. And so our friends came over and cause she's sober as well. And just kind of told us a little bit about their story and how they got through it and gave us hope. 
Matt and I, my yeah. husband and I, and we knew that nothing could be the same after that because I, I would say that I had a little bit of a mental breakdown that morning after drinking all night off and on and then waking up on my yoga mat and feeling like everybody would be better off without me. I mean, and it sounds like a panic attack too. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. Yeah. It was like one of the worst days of my life for sure. Yeah. But I found Megan from Soba Sisters on Instagram that day. And I reached out to her and asked if I could be on her, one of her Zoom calls or the group coaching. And she had me on a call pretty quickly after that. <clears throat> and awesome. it was like, so a, did you just find it like from social media or something? Yeah. I think I probably typed in like recovery or sober or something and she popped up. Wow. And so I just, at that point, I, I realized, cause I got on that call and there was like 15 women and I was like, holy cow, I'm not the only one. <laughs> like, and yes, so, I'm not alone. Yes. I was like, oh wow. Like there's other people that, you know, f- have fairly normal lives and have this problem also. Right. And cause I, and I could, I could vibe with that, but I did not. I don't think I could have vibed with Alcoholics Anonymous. It just wasn't, it's not the path that I wanted for myself. Mm -hmm. And so I just, at that point, told my family, like, I'm going to dedicate the next couple of months to just not drinking. And that is my only commitment is to not drink and to go to these calls and do yoga. And that is what I did. Just keep it simple. Don't drink, do yoga hang out with your family, avoid things that are triggers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And, and that's what I meant by, I was just going to do those things is like, I'm not going to go to the birthday parties. I may even not go to some of the football games and some of the baseball games. Like I'm just going to do the bare minimum and work on myself mm-hmm. and kind of like a self-proclaimed rehab at home, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah, your and, own uh, uniquely designed treatment. Yeah, and it changed my life. Like, I changed my life just like that. And three months into it, I was like, I think I want to be a recovery coach. And I started a recovery coach program. And and there's power in doing things like that because when you do become a recovery coach or, you know, in, in a position of leadership in any format, it's like people start to count on you to to not drink. And so that's an it extra keeps you like, accountable and yeah. it's so healing to be able to give back to people, you know, when you can really identify with what what it feels like to be where they are. Yeah. So I started I did that the recovery coaching program. And so I'm doing that. I'm actually have recently taken a job as a full-time recovery coach. Uh, which I'm super excited about. So awesome. It's crazy to think how much my life has changed. I quit drinking October 3rd, 2022. And I feel like a different human being. Yeah, and, that is amazing. Uh, I mean, a little over a year and such just like, imagine if you stayed on that path, the path you were on, where that path yeah. would, where you would be today versus yeah the path that you chose that day. Yeah. The 
I heard someone say recently, the worst thing you can be one year from now is exactly the same. And yeah, that's, that's so true because if I quit, I hadn't quit drinking, I would be exactly the same. I would be still yeah. waking up thinking like, is there anything more to life than this? Yeah. And now I get to do all this amazing stuff that I didn't get to do before. And those are all gifts from the universe because I was willing to release something that was no longer serving my life. Yeah. Something that was holding you back. And as a result, you've connected with so many people and impacted other people's lives for the better. And, and you have a sense of peace. Yeah. So much peace. Yeah. So any advice that you would give to, to other people who are sober curious or interested in making some changes around their drinking, yeah, or maybe even sure. if they're, you know, newly sober and, and just kind of wanting to know what's next, what support would be good for them? For sure. Um, well, I would, there's so many different things I could say, but one thing is you are the company you keep. So just be really mindful of who you're surrounding yourself with. And if you look around and the friends that you do have are doing, are living a life that you don't want to be living. Um, there are other people out there that are probably in more alignment with what you're wanting. Um, so just being willing to um, release people and ways of being that are no longer serving your life and embrace new people. Absolutely. And it can be, it can be uncomfortable and scary at times, but, but it's worth it. Yeah. That's other great advice is just allow yourself to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Because yeah. Increasing that tolerance for discomfort and emotional distress. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Um, yeah, there's just so much wisdom in your journey. And I'm, I'm so excited that through sobriety, our paths have crossed and I get to learn from you and, and be your friend and collaborate on this podcast. So, yeah. So sure thank you. Too. Yes. This, this friendship is definitely one of my favorite gifts. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. We value each and every one of you. Until next time, may you be safe, may you be well, may you be peaceful and at ease.